Well, welcome to week three of our series, Filters. This whole series is built on a framework of using filters in our lives. I like what Steve Carter said. He said, a healthy framework makes your life work. And we have filters every day in our lives that we use in our home, in our cars, in our vehicles. So we have an air conditioning filter at home. And this air conditioning filter is at the bottom of our unit uh, inside. And it keeps dust and particles from getting into the interior coil. That cools down our home. Now this is why this is so important. We need God's word as a filter that helps filter out any damage that can hurt us, that can damage us. And just like a filter helps prevent damage from the most important part of a system, that, func- that, that, that system is able to function the way that it was intended to function, we are the same way. We are intended to function the way that God wants us to function. The way that we do that is using God's word as a filter, filtering out anything that can damage us. So let's jump in. We live in a culture that values a form of Gnosticism or Platonism. It's a filter that you can do whatever you want in your body and it's not going to affect your soul. So we are free to trust our emotions, our feelings, and our reasoning. So here are a few quotes to those who influence culture in America. This is Demi Lovato. She says, I am proud to let you know that I identify as non-binary and will officially be changing my pronouns to they, them, moving forward. These best represent the fluidity I feel in my gender expression. Chelsea Handler, she wrote, she said, you should always speak your mind and be bold and be obnoxious. And do whatever you want and don't let anybody tell you to stop it. Well, here's the tension. We also have a culture. We also live in a culture that wants to feel fulfilled, satisfied, and secure. That is our, that is our culture. Culture that, hey, do whatever you want to do. You do you. But they also want to feel satisfied, fulfilled, and secure. The American Bible Society did a study on human flourishing. And they found that in every category under human flourishing, those who were disengaged with the Bible were not fulfilled, they were not satisfied, and they were not secure. So here are the categories. You have happiness and satisfaction with life, mental and physical health, meaning and purpose, character and virtue, close social relationships, and financial stability. So these categories would define human flourishing. Now the study also showed that those who were engaged with the Bible scored significantly higher in every category. So that leaves us with a couple of questions. One, can someone do whatever they want to do in their body and it doesn't affect their soul? Another question, what does freedom as a Christian, actually look like? And then, what will leave me fulfilled, satisfied, and secure? So Jude, we're going to jump into Jude, and Jude is, if you have a hard copy of the Bible, it's all the way towards the back. You'll get to the maps, which is the very back, Revelation, and then Jude. It's really short. And so he's writing to warn a group of people, warning that a group of people called the Gnostics they want 
what God want, what God offers, but without God. So they want all the categories of human flourishing. They want peace. They want uh, virtue. They want happiness. They want satisfaction. They want um, mental and physical health. They want meaning and purpose. They want character and virtue. They want all of those things, but they want those things without God. So you have a group of people going into these local churches that want these things of human flourishing, but without God. They want everything that God offers, but without God. So, Gnostics believed, they believed in Jesus so that their soul was going to heaven, but they never followed any of Jesus' teaching. So the question is, did they really believe in Jesus? It's like they had the fire insurance, but they lived completely different. They were more worried about their soul than they were about their actual life. Now, understanding the filter of grace is necessary for us living a fulfilled life. Okay, so Jude, he's writing to uh, a group of local churches, and he seems to be writing from a position of oversight. It would be like Steve Jobs, who's firing employees who didn't align themselves up with his vision. What Jobs is doing is he's protecting the culture at Apple, and that's what he's done that's what he did for so long is he protected the vision of Apple. He knew that if people didn't buy into that vision, that they would poison the culture at Apple. I believe Jude was seeing things that the church leaders on the ground, they couldn't see. They were missing. So Jude was writing to protect the culture that Jesus created and he established for the local church. And we call that orthodoxy. And we're going to talk about that at the last message of this series. Okay, so this is what Jude wrote in Jude 4. He wrote, I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches. And this is what they're saying. God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. So ungodly people, who are they? Well, they're the Gnostics. And the Gnostics, they believed in some of the teachings of Plato. Plato, he taught that the soul was good, the body was evil. He taught that the body was evil, the soul was good. So no matter what you did in your body, it would not affect your soul. So Jude says that these Gnostics, they worm their way into these local churches. The original verb means sneak in unnoticed. Uh, when I was in high school, I was dating, I was a senior, and I was dating a girl that was a freshman in college. And so uh, she and I had gone on a date, and before the date, my parents told me, hey, be home by 11 o'clock at night. And so uh, we went on the date, and I was running late. So it's about 11 o'clock, and I'm coming down the hill, and we lived on this farm in Pennsylvania. I'm coming down this hill, and I go into the driveway, and I begin to turn my lights off because uh, where my parents' living room was, you could see you know, people coming down the hill. So I, man, I turned my lights off. I kind of snuck in, and we had a gravel driveway, so I was this quiet. I snuck my car in. This literally took me five minutes. And so I get out. I gently shut the door, and I, I kind of walk in, and all of a sudden, the lights go on. It was my parents'. They're like, it's 11.05. I got grounded 
God, guys, get this. I got grounded for three weeks. That relationship ended pretty quickly. I tried to sneak in, but my parents, they knew what was happening. They couldn't be fooled. See, Jude, he's not being fooled. He's not being fooled that these people are kind of sneaking in. Now, he's implying that they sound like Christians, but they're not living like Christians. They, they say all the right things, but they are not living like Christ. So to answer the first question, can someone do whatever they want in their body and not affect their soul? Well, we could go back early to the very beginning. And Moses wrote in Genesis, he said, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Jews understood that people just didn't have a body and just didn't have a soul. They believed the body and the soul were connected. They believed that every person was a living, breathing, physical being, that the soul, the body, it was connected. And they called this nephesh. They believe that you are a nephish, that they were a nephish. A nephish was a living, breathing, physical being. They believe that the soul and the body connected made a person whole. According to James, Jude's brother and the half-brother of Jesus, the body and soul are connected. He, he wrote this, just as the body is dead without spirit, so also faith is dead without good works. Perhaps you've... you've experience the connection between your body and your soul i mean have you ever lied and the guilt from lying affected you so much that you were sick to your stomach or maybe you've experienced ptsd something happened to your body and perhaps your body has healed but your emotions and the way that you think hasn't recovered yet okay that's the connection between our body and our soul so Jude, pretty is clear, hey, what you do in your body does affect your soul, and what you do in your soul affects your body. And then he continues. He says, the condemnation of such people was recorded long ago. He's like, this wasn't the first group of people who kind of said, you do you. You do you. What's, what you do in your body is not going to affect your soul. He says, they've denied our one and only Lord and Master Jesus Christ. So what Jude is referring to is back in the Old Testament, God's people were told by these false prophets that because they were God's people, they wouldn't be judged. They wouldn't be punished. That they could do anything they wanted to do. So the ideology was, well, because... I received God's favor for being God's child. I can kind of get away with anything. And these false prophets said things like this. This is Jeremiah writing. They offer superficial treatments for my people's mortal wound. They give assurance of peace when there's no peace. These false prophets are saying, hey, you guys are good to go. Nothing's going to happen to you. You and God are at peace. And God's like, no, no, we're not at peace. They keep saying to those who despise my word, don't worry. The Lord says you will have peace. And to those who stubbornly follow their own desires, they say, no harm will come your way. And God's like, no, that's not true. See, just as it didn't work out for the prophets, Judas like, look, it's not going to work out for those who believe that you can do whatever with whatever you want. It's not going to affect your soul. He's like, it's not going to work. 
It didn't work out for them. It's not going to work out for you. And for some of us, man, we have our fire insurance, but that's about it. Guys, confessing to be a follower of Jesus and not following his teachings, that's a contradiction. Um, Maybe this might help. Most of you might be shocked to learn that Brooke is adopted. And if you didn't know, or maybe you forgot, and the reason why people are so surprised by it is that she acts like us, she talks like us, and she thinks like us. Why does she do those things? Why does she act like us and think like us and (laughs) talk like us? Because she's always in our presence and protection. Like being our daughter is her way of life. Guys, being a follower of Jesus needs to be our way of life. Being a follower of Jesus ought to be our way of life. Jesus is very clear. And he said these two things. He says, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we will come and make our home with each other. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. He also said this, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey, it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand, when the rain and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Y'all, Jesus is clear. If, he says, if you're going to follow me, be all in. If you're going to follow me, be all in. Your words have to match your actions. Guys, we all know deep down that what we do in our souls affect our body. And what we do in our bodies affect our soul. It's just true. Guys, I've sat across teenage girls who gave in and they feel so much shame from having sex with a guy who no longer loves them. I've sat across from from couples who are ready to get married and we dug a little deeper because they want intimacy. They want to be known. But both were hiding secrets from each other. And they put off the wedding. And, and from what I know, even today, they're, they're no longer together. I sat across from men who drank themselves to a divorce because they abused their families. I sat across people who gambled their life savings and they eventually gambled their family away. And all of them have told me, and said to me, I just wanted to feel loved. I just wanted to feel secure. I just wanted to feel fulfilled. I just wanted to feel satisfied. And I was left empty. I was left wanting more. And I would tell, and I'll tell you as I told them, there is a better way. There is a better way. And that way is Jesus' invitation. Jesus invites us. He says, look, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Guys, it's important to see that this rich and satisfying life is possible through grace. Grace is undeserved favor. Grace isn't isn't favor you achieve by being a good person or doing good things. Grace is a gift you receive by being God's child. 
grace is God forgiving your sins as you believe Jesus took your place and died for your sins. But grace just, is, uh, grace just doesn't stop there. Grace is His power at work in your life through His Spirit. Grace changes us so that we do good things that bring honor to Him and yet it allows us to enjoy this life through Him. It's undeserved favor. We depend on grace on the day that we decide to follow Jesus and then every day following as we follow Jesus. We need to depend on grace. Grace should not give us a license to do whatever we want to do. Grace is recognizing that, man, I don't deserve this, but yet God is allowing me to be part of it. See, although God saves us by grace alone, he hasn't saved us to be alone. He provides us his spirit to live that rich and satisfying life that Jesus purposes for you and I to live. There's a story of an eight-year-old who was adopted by a family, and for, some whatever, and for whatever reason, they could not integrate her into their family, and so they dissolved the adoption. It was really terrible. Then another family came and adopted her, and this is the father's story. He says, for one reason or another, the previous family vacationed at Disney, but left her with a family friend. In her mind, this happened because she did something wrong that kept her from the trip. He says, when I heard about this, I made plans to take her and the rest of the family to Disney. When the trip was made public, she became a different person. She stole, she lied, she insulted her sisters, and she made bad choices. A couple days before Disney, I took my daughter on my lap, and I want to talk through her latest episode of Bad Choices. She said that she knew what we were going to do, and that was leave her with someone else while we went to Disney. I asked, is this trip something we're doing as a family? She nodded. Then I asked again, are you part of this family? And she nodded. I said, then you're going with us. After the first day at Disney in the hotel room at that night, she was exhausted and her month-long rebellion had faded. So I asked, how was your first day at Disney? She closed her eyes. She snuggled deep down in the bed. Daddy, she said, I finally got to go to Disney. But it wasn't because I was good. It's because I'm yours. See, God in Christ has declared over you, I could have chosen anyone in the world as my child, and I chose you. As you grow in your trust of me and at times fail by going back to your old way of life, neither my love nor my choice will ever change. For some of you, you have yet to trust Jesus. And I'm asking that, and maybe it's because you, you feel so much shame. I just want you to know that he's inviting you to bring all of your stuff. That you receive forgiveness. That you receive a new life. For those of us who are Christians and 
I know some of you are holding on to, you're holding on to the shame because of something that you did. And you're thinking, man, why would God ever forgive me again? I've blown it. This is too good to be true. Grace is unmerited favor, undeserved favor. It's God saying, I'm providing you grace, not because you're a good person or because you did good things. No, I'm providing you grace because I love you. And so I'm just, I'm just, I'm just hoping that you're willing to let go of the things that you're holding on to. Let go of that shame. Give it over to him. Guys, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for that story. Thank you so much for that story. That eight-year-old let go. And God, I'm asking that we let go. We let go of the things of shame and guilt of things that we've done, or, or maybe we're holding on to the fact that this is way too good to be true. I just ask that our hearts would be broken and we just come to you and we surrender all to you. And so, Father, in this moment, I ask for those who have never trusted you before, that they would, and for those who are followers of Jesus, that they would come back. They would come back and they would stop abusing grace. Thank you so much for grace. In Jesus' name, amen.